Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 10. There we go. What's the name of this series? And what's the Spirit-filled church made of? Who said that? And very nice, Faith. Brilliant. Not surprising that Faith had the right answer. And you didn't even study for it. What's the Spirit-filled church made of? Spirit-filled people. So the principles that we see about the Spirit-filled church must be, are true of Spirit-filled people. Because if you open the church, open the, where's the steeple, and there's all the people. Right? All right. So let's, let's begin reading this morning. We're going to read from Acts chapter 10. We're going to read a few verses. I'm just going to talk about them as they unfold. And then I'm going to ask my friend Chris Ness to come and join me and my sweet wife. We're going to come and just chat a little bit about kind of a case study uh, as a missionary, how what, the principles that we see present in this text. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about Chris and his life and their life, but also how he has lived out uh, some of these same principles that we see here this morning. Are you ready? Let me just tell you right away with the, the theme today, what the title of this message is. It's a short message, and we're going to come back and revisit Cornelius. There's a lot more to talk about as this story unfolds. But today, what I want us to see is this, is that the Spirit-filled church responds to the mission of God. Those are, I say those words on purpose. The Spirit-filled church responds. Someone say responds. Responds to the mission of God. That means the mission of God, it's His idea, and it's His initiative. But it becomes our responsibility. Let's watch. Let's watch this unfold. Let's see if I can behave myself. I'm trying to watch our time. So, let's, and I, so I appreciate your faith. Let's see if I can. In Caesarea, there lived, I got excited that last night. I'm going to say it again. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. And I just want to say we didn't even plan this, but Chris and Heidi are missionaries in Italy. <gasps> You're welcome. Yep. Every, every week I aim to make you proud, babe. Uh, he, was dev- uh, he was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. What that means is, and we'll see in a minute, that means that we, know, we already know he's a Gentile. Everyone gasp. Good job. But he's a, he's a, he's, he's a God-fearer. That means he, that's actually a category in Judaism, in the, in, the, in, the or, in the organization there, the substructure. He's not a full proselyte. That means he probably hasn't been circumcised and done all the things, but he's a God-fearer. That means he's leaning toward, he has a, an affection and allegiance toward the God of Israel. Uh, much like the Ethiopian, and we talked about the, the, the pantheistic gods of the Roman and Greek worlds were exhausting and unsatisfying. And so people leaned toward the monotheistic hope of God, of Yahweh. And uh, so Cornelius is one of those who is a God-fearing man, and he was devout. And, he gave, here's, and then Luke says, he gave generously to the poor and prayed, prayed regularly to God. Why mention those two things? Because those are two expressions. We learned this in the book of Matthew. Those are two, uh, two high-valued acts of righteousness uh, uh, at that time. First century Judaism would have recognized charity and prayer as expressions of righteousness. So he wasn't earning things. He was evidencing his heart by his actions. He gave generously. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. 
Cornelius stared at him in terror. I want us to see what was Cornelius doing at 3 o'clock. One afternoon about 3 o'clock he had a vision. What was he doing? We don't know. We don't know. He was a person of prayer. We know that. But what was happening at 3 o'clock? Don't know. Anything special? Anything spectacular? Had he gone through a long incantation, chanting, waving his arms, lit incense, done all the things? No. He, here is a person who is living an open-hearted life before God. Open before the Lord. Tender before the Lord. And God initiates something to the open-hearted. Watch this. Cornelius stared at him in terror. You know, I say it all the time that I really want to hang out with angels. And if they terrorize, if I react this way, that's okay, Lord, bring it on. I'll get over it. I still want to hang out with them. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Not as a payment, but as an offering. The Lord has seen the evidence of your heart. Remember, what's in our hands reveals what's in our Very good. Now, he said, now send some men to Joppa, to Yappa, and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Yappa. So Cornelius is living open-hearted and, 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 and available before God. God initiates action into his life. And an angel appears to him and says, go get Peter. The angel could have, the angel could have, could have explained the gospel. Could have led him in the sinner's prayer, walked him over to the baptism tank. He didn't. The angel said, go get Peter. Wonderful principles here. Angels are at work. How many are grateful? How many say, we need more help? If they're working, let's get them to work. More, 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 right? Angels are at work, but never forget that people are the plan. You are the plan. You are plan A, and there is no plan B. Cornelius lives open before the Lord. God initiates mission, and Cornelius obeys. He responds. He doesn't, there's not a lot of questions. Well, he doesn't even say, what, what's Peter going to tell me? We'll find out next week. He has no idea what Peter's going to say. He doesn't have all the facts, but he responds to God in trusting obedience. Good. Good. We live open before the Lord. He initiates and we respond. And if we don't have all the facts, what do we do with the gaps in our understanding? We place trust. And that when, there, when there's a gap in our understanding, we obey. We trust God and obey. Amen. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It's important that we listen to Luke again and that he's, he's laying things on top of each other. These events are happening almost concurrently. And he wants us to see that people are essentially minding their own business, living an open heart before the Lord, and God is at work. That God is orchestrating this. So now the angels comes to Cornelius. Then he sends messengers. The messengers, the messengers are on their way. You know right now things are on your way in your life and you don't even know. You know that God is up to something in your life today that you're not aware of. 
So what should you do? Should you ask and worry and get nervous? No, nope, you should do this. You should, when it's noontime, just go to prayer. Just live, continue to live your life open-heartedly, openly before God. So it's noon, and Peter goes up to the, up to the rooftop to pray, and he's hungry, and, and they're going to fix him lunch. But while he's there, boom, he falls. I should read it, not tell you. Okay? Uh, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. This, word is, this is our word for ecstasy. He didn't just, it was, it was a, a blissful divine encounter. He has a blissful divine encounter. And he saw heaven, he, he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals. Someone say all sorts. All sorts. And here's where it gets crazy. Reptiles and birds. Go ahead and gasp. Good. Okay. Then a voice said to him, get up. Isn't that funny? Oh, how the turns have tabled. Remember last week, Peter told everybody to get up. Now the voice says, get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. He said to the Lord, no, I don't even smoke. (laughs) And then the voice said again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Now, in this text, he's talking about, heads up, he's talking about people. He's talking about people. What we're going to see is that because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that there is no person on the planet who is unqualified to hear the gospel. Ethnic, geographic, religious history, none of that prevents anyone from being an equal candidate to hear the good news. No one is off limits. It is important to pause and just recognize that he didn't say, he, he's specifically talking about people. Oh, bonus, also some food. One of the, Jeremy said, he said, oh, you're going to read to, to, you're gonna read today till it gets to bacon. Sure, till it gets to bacon. There it is. Now you can eat bacon, okay? You can eat reptiles and birds, I guess. But here's the deal. What this does not mean is that he has not, this does not change the fundamental, the Ten Commandments. It's, I just, just in our culture, people get so fruitcake crazy. Oh, don't, oh, God calls it clean. Don't call it unclean. That means we can't, you know, that does not, that doesn't mean God has called sexual immorality clean or covetousness clean or murder clean or lying clean. None of that stuff is clean. What he said is there is nobody who is precluded from hearing the good news of the gospel. Just so that we know. Now listen to verse 16. The same vision was repeated three times. What do we know about that? that remember what Joseph said to Pharaoh when he only saw a vision twice? He said, this, this vision was given to you twice, therefore no, God really means it. So if, it was, if two times means God means it, what does three times mean? He means it. Listen up, listen up, Pete. Listen up, Pete. I've made, anyway, there's, that's good. And that helps us understand, by the way, how to interpret Revelation when there are things repeated three times. But that's another day. Uh, Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Then Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? So the vision's happening. By the way, what's happening as this vision's happening? Cornelius' boys are coming. 
Now, Peter's on the, on the flat roof. He's waiting for lunch. Thank you, Jesus, like many of you are fixing to. And he's, he's waiting for lunch, and he falls into a trance. That's good news. If the service goes long, that's, you're about to have a vision. <laughs> and, so he has a vision, and so all this is happening, and then the vision stops. And then, whoo, Peter's like, what in the world? Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, who's orchestrating all this? God. This is God's mission. Someone say God's mission. This is God's mission. This is God's mission. We respond. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, just then, the young men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if there's a man named Simon Peter staying there. So they're at the gate. Now Peter, back upstairs again, verse 19, Peter still puzzling over the vision. Lord, I have no idea what that was about. What's all the picnic basket? And, And then the Holy Spirit said, three men have come looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Go doubting nothing. Don't worry. I have sent them. Does the Lord tell Peter where they came from? What they want? What's going to happen next? What's he say? Get up. Go. Doubting nothing. What do we do when there are gaps in our understanding? What do we put in those gaps? Trust. We put trust. I trust you, Lord. This is your mission. I'll hear. I will respond. I don't have all the answers. In the, right in the gap, I put trust. That's so good, yeah. It is really good. I didn't say it, but here it is. So Peter went down and looked and said, I'm the way, I'm what you're, why have you come? Then Peter said, they said, well, we, Cornelius, Roman officer, he's a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected. Holy angel instructed him to summon us to your house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited them to stay the night which is pretty unusual. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Yapa. Verse 24, I'll just read the first part. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. They went to a Gentile's house, and nothing was ever the same. Nothing was ever the same. All of this was God's idea. All of this was God's idea. All of this was God's initiative. It is God's mission. It is our response. We trust. We trust and obey. We live lives open toward God. God initiates and we respond in trusting obedience. The spirit-filled church responds to God's mission. Now, let's talk to our friend Chris today. Can we do that? We're going to make a little Chris sandwich. It's a good, it's a very big sandwich. He big. <laughs> would you welcome, please, a run more time just right now. Would you welcome Chris Ness? <laughs> you do it. Sure. I'm going to tell you who he is real quick for most of you. Oh, I, hang on a second. Let's do it a little side. I feel like my buns are facing oh, heavens. over there. Okay. So this is Chris Ness, and Chris and Heidi are longtime friends of this house of Davini. But you may not know because you all love Chuck and Bonnie. Because last night there was shock in the room. Yeah, shock. This is Chuck and Bonnie Ness's son. So youngest son. Youngest son. Youngest largest son. Youngest largest. So it's just just to give you a fun connection, and and this house loves the Nesses and has for a long time. You know why I say largest? Obviously, you're not a small man, but your mom likes to brag about how big you were as a baby, just so that you know. (laughs) Ten pounds, two ounces. Yeah. Whoa. She's 
she should brag. Broski beat me I by have, an ounce and a half. I, have I way, do not appreciate it. Way more it. respect for already her than yes. I did. But at least we're ten pound. You are ten pound double. You yeah. guys are yeah, amazing. We're, yeah, we're we're like twins. We also got married two weeks apart. Two weeks apart, which was fun. Yeah. In the same year, same, same year. church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a great. It's we just want you to just to get to know Chris a little bit and and have him share and and. Uh, what's been happening in his life, and I'll let you start. Yeah, Chris, tell us a little bit, just so that we know. Tell us a little bit about, about uh, your guys' life and ministry. And we did this last night, so it's not brand new. Uh, but the idea is I want Chris to talk about their life and, 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 and missions and just recognizing that this is God's mission, and we respond, and we, re- and we rely. We have to rely on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. That whether it's across the world or across the street, this is all about being people who live spirit-dependent lives. Chris, talk, let's tell us about yourself. So if you know Chuck and Bonnie Ness, you probably know that they were missionaries in Kenya for 38 years. And, you know, in this day and age, you don't leave your kids in America when you go overseas. And so they took me when I was seven years old to Kenya, and I had the privilege of growing up there until I graduated from high school. Came back to Vancouver, came up, went up to Seattle Air for, for college, and in that time, God spoke to my heart in college about becoming a missionary. It wasn't because my parents were, uh, but they, my parents, I think, approached it in the best way that you can. It, when you're a missionary or in vocational ministry, they didn't pressure any of us to become missionaries. And, and now two out of the three of us are missionaries, and not to lift one vocation up over another. But my point being is when God spoke to my heart during my freshman year of college uh, about becoming a missionary, it was an easy yes. Because my parents not only ministered to the Kenyan people, they ministered to their kids. And when I say that, they spent time with us. They they approached it in a way. with and, And so it was easy to say yes to God's call. Now, the playing out of it has not been easy, and I'll get into that in a little bit here. But Heidi and I have been in, in Africa since we were in Africa from 1999 to 2015, uh, involved in ministering to kids and training nationals there how to work with kids and just had an amazing time and as well as difficult times in between three different countries, hmm. uh, this first being Zambia, Southern Africa, then Sudan. Uh, God really spoke to both of our hearts separately about that, and we ended up in the nation of Sudan, got kicked out three years into that. And uh, then ended up in Ethiopia at one point. Hang on a minute. You just said a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, I know. But I, I, what, what, here's, what, what, here's what I just wanted to hear again. It was, it, you, didn't show, you didn't go to Bible college with, it, with being a missionary was your idea. Right. No. But because of your parents' influence, you had an open heart toward heaven. Yes. And so God initiated yeah. and you responded. Yeah. That's a good word right there. Yep, it is. And then you went in different countries and you go to the Sudan and because you feel called there, and it's a remarkable call, but all of a sudden you're kicked out, and you might that might leave a giant question mark. What do we do with giant question marks? Trust, yeah, and it has been a walk of trust, and I, I want to talk about that in a minute. Talk about and, you just talk, and <laughs> they hear me all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, so. Just so you, I'll try to paint a little bit of a picture with what we do, but I, I think the important thing this morning is not so much about what we do, but what about what God has done and what he's doing. Come on. Not just overseas and in our work, but in our lives. And so, and how the Holy Spirit is, is such an integral part of that and in the, the journey of that. So we were in Africa for 16 years and found ourselves back in the States, uh, honestly in need of help. 
very broken, very uh, sick in body, uh, very broken emotionally, to be very frank. And and what I thought was going to be three months here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, going to counseling up in up in the Seattle area, as well as going to doctors, turned into three years. Uh, and I was talking to Joel earlier about desert times. You know, I, it was a, a very much a desert time. We all go through desert times. And I'll say this very quickly. I believe that we're meant to go through deserts, but we're not meant to stay in the desert. Yes. And the, the Lord, in by his grace, brought us through that desert in amazing ways. Mm. And I'll get to some of that story in, in a moment here. But uh, he's led us to places. Mm. And, you know, I, I mentioned those three places in Africa. We end up back in the States for three years engaging here and there in missions. I was writing curriculum and making occasional trips back to Africa during that time. But but God availed to us that time here in the States and um, where he brought healing and restoration to our lives in order to prepare us for what he had for us next. And that's in Italy. It's, mm. We live on the island of Sicily, which... Uh, is just ac- across the mainland from mainland Italy. And uh, it is one of the biggest gateways for refugees and immigrants coming from Africa into Europe. And I don't know if you've seen the pictures on the news or in articles about overcrowded boats that make that cross-Mediterranean trip. Those are filled with primarily Africans who are leaving oppressive governments, sometimes leaving religious persecution, and leaving um, just situations that are are extremely difficult, trying to find a better life in Europe. And um, so we are involved in, you know, and, and, and those people, uh, people lose their lives in the Mediterranean on the way over, but, but many make it to Europe. And there's statistics to so many people on the news and, and in, in articles, but to Heidi and I, those are people made in God's image that we have the privilege of sharing God's love with. And we've been able to do that in, in ways for the last two and a half years. We're getting ready to go back in January, February. And so that's what God is, that's where we're at on mission. I say physic, you know, that's the physical place. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that kind of in a nutshell there's a lot more to it but um yeah god has given us the privilege to to touch the lives of refugees and immigrants in sicily yeah wow yeah Yeah. so good uh look i was going to ask a different question than i asked you last night because you talk about uh how many different countries you were in africa and Mm -hmm. then sudan and that sort of thing share a minute how living a spirit-empowered life like you and Heidi do has helped that, helped in those seasons, like you said, the desert or or transition when you weren't expecting it. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's where my thoughts were going this morning. Cool. Um, you know, and there are a lot of stories that I could, I could talk about where God has just come through in people's lives. We have a, a young uh, West African friend named Bintu, who we met two days after we got to Sicily. We met her at her baptism. She grew up Muslim, hmm. um, found Je- came to Europe for a better life, but found Jesus, you yeah. know. And hmm. and we were at her baptism. We moved up to the north of the island to go to language school to study Italian. And uh, um, she ended up in a, uh, yeah, anyway, nine months later, we end up in the same community. And I'll just give this quick victory story, then I want to talk about the desert. Um 
life on Thursday, and she has a, a baby girl named Ella, and life on Thursdays became life and discipleship with Bintu and Ella, and what a joy it was to spend time with her, uh, Heidi investing her in amazing ways, and having a toddler in our home, you know, our, we have three kids, they're all grown, uh, so they're not with us on the field anymore. And um, and one day, Bintu, who's growing in the Lord, she said to Heidi, I no longer see myself as a refugee. I see myself as a missionary. Wow. Now, fa- fast forward a few months, and, you know, we're beginning, she's beginning to gain more trust in us, gain more trust in Heidi. And we find out that Bintu and her daughter are living in a volatile living situation. And by God's grace and through local authorities, she was rescued out of that and lived with us for a time. And I remember thinking, how are we going to find a solution for Bintu? Well, we didn't find it. God did. Yeah. Mm. And some things in, in, in my planning mind, and I mentioned yesterday that I'm a recovering planaholic. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, just was trying to, to figure things out. But when we put this out, how appropriate it was to say for prayer... And God, in his divine wisdom, arranged a place, a safe house for her somewhere on the island, unbeknownst to us. We couldn't, we couldn't know where it was. We could be in touch with her by phone. Um, and she told Heidi, this is my first missions assignment because she's in a home for women who are battered. And, mm. and, and she's wow. the only believer in, in that home and her light shining. Yeah. So there's other stories like that. But I, I, I want to talk about. A, a spirit-filled life, you, you're t- you know, Cornelius, his heart was open before the Lord. Mm-hmm. A spirit-filled life, a spirit-filled church on mission is yielded to and guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And looking back on our lives, if, if, you, if, I to- if you would have told me five years ago, six years ago, that I'm going to be a missionary in Europe instead of Africa, I would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> and, but God has led us there. Our leadership based on our experience in in Africa and culture and language that we've studied, they asked us to consider working with with refugees and immigrants in Europe, many of whom are Africans. And so we we followed that. I mean, but we went through that desert time before that. And it seemed long to us. And we came back to the States very uh, broken uh, and and needing to be, I, I look, I, I wouldn't mind, I not have said it this way at that time, but needing the Holy Spirit to guide us through this process. And looking back, I see how he, ha, he guided us in very specific ways. So went, went to counseling, went to doctors, got a, became a part of a, a local church up in the Seattle area, which missionaries don't get to do mm-hmm. when they're back in the States, usually. Um, and, uh, we decided we weren't going to go back to Ethiopia. It was a very difficult decision. It was difficult for me because it, it, it represented, even though Africa maybe would have been on the horizon again someday, it represented possibly leaving Africa for good for me. And that was very difficult. And the Lord did a stripping down process in my heart in regards to my identity, hmm. uh, the places where it, w- it was placed in missions and in in, in, in being in Africa, the Lord stripped that down in his loving, gracious way to place my identity more into him. So 
details, a few details of this journey that I think are key. Uh, I, I had to go back to Ethiopia to sell our things and and take wrap some things up. I went alone. I did have some other missionaries helping me when I was there. What was supposed to be two weeks turned into three weeks. I had to get permission to leave the country. And just through all the bureaucracies, I ended up there an extra week, and I was spent like never before. It was probably the most stressful three years of my life, but the Lord brought me through it. Without going into details, you know, I, well, and so I'm at the airport leaving finally after getting permission to leave, changing my tickets twice, and my, my bags are being scanned, and they find a live 22 round in an old hunting jacket that I had when I would go hunting in uh, Zambia. Somehow it made it to Sudan and made it to Ethiopia, and it gets caught there. I, just all the blockades that were looking like I'm not going to get home. Uh, I had our dog that we're bringing back to our kid, my kids in, who are now in Seattle, uh, you know, and I, it, I was at, I was being grilled for a, probably an hour in regards to this this live round that was a total mistake, and um, my credit card didn't work when I was trying to pay for my extra bags. I finally I'm running onto the plane. My pants are falling down because <laughs> I've lost so much weight in the last three weeks. And I get back, and we had just purchased a home in the Seattle area, which was a miracle in of itself. But a, a, a fixer upper, and I'm still recovering from jet lag and I'm laying in my bed on a Saturday morning and my I don't remember if it was my alarm went off and I'm thinking I've got to get up and I got to go have my devotions and then who knows do what on the house because it was a fixer-upper we lived in it while we were fixing it and I'm thinking I've got to do my devotions and the presence of my heavenly father in that room the only the best way I can explain it is that his hand he put his hand on my back and just encouraged me to rest in his presence. Hmm. And there were so many components to the healing, both supernatural and just practical, that we couldn't have planned it. Around that time, and I didn't finish this story yesterday, we came down to Heritage. Um, we were, my parents had just retired from the mission field. They live here in Vancouver. They were attending Heritage, and we were visiting, and we were a mess. And um, and you called people forward for prayer, like I assume you always do. <laughs> and I remember coming forward and being prayed for by, I believe it, it was you, and I just, I crumbled to the floor forward and I think it was representative of, of my life at that time and maybe a permission to crumble mm -hmm. you know I think so many times we try to uphold this image of things are all together when they're not and missionaries don't have it together and it, at least these ones don't <laughs> <laughs> and and um, what I didn't say yesterday was it it was, we went back up to the Seattle area, went to our counseling session the next day, and we're talking godly people counseling us. And I was, I was talking to, his name is Dr. Jack Roselle, the president of Ministry Resource International, the place, about this experience where you prayed for me, and I crumbled to the floor. And I, I was just, I was trying to make sense of it, really, was what I was trying to do. And he looked at me, he says, Chris, do you think 
that God wants us to make sense out of everything. And, you know, he, we can't. We don't. He doesn't. We, not everything makes sense to us. There's those gaps that you talked about. There have been so many gaps in, in this life on mission. And the older I get, it just seems the more gaps there are. <laughs> and the more the Holy Spirit is inviting me wow. to trust him. Wow. So Thank you, Lord. The, a spirit-filled life is yielded and guided by the Holy Spirit. Not just for encounters with people when you're on mission, but also to... So can I go on about, uh, he's guided us to places, he's guided us to people. Bintu was one of them. Uh, I go On Fridays, I go down to the piazza in our city of Messina just to hang out with refugees. And I take the tram so I don't have to park my car and so I can meet people on the tram. And my radar is out for who is of color here, who's refugees. And I had missed my tram to go back home. And so I got on a different one and there were four Africans on it. And I have this, I have to make this quick decision of how do I engage people in the few minutes I'm on the tram without overwhelming them and asking them too many questions. And, and I go to talk to these four Africans and it was not a positive encounter at first. There was some resistance, but I found out the person that was giving me resistance was not with the other three. And eventually talking to these other three, uh, two of them, have become the most dedicated in our Bible study with um, refugees, and we've we've had the opportunity to invest in them and and, and pour into their lives. I, I meet a Nigerian man at a well, I didn't know he's Nigerian at a, at a traffic light, and I have two minutes to decide what language of my evangelism packs that I keep in the car, you know, with literature and the Jesus film on on micro SD cards, wow. and. In that encounter, I find out he's English-speaking. I hand him the English packet. It has an invitation to our Bible study, and Benson has become the most dedicated person. In our Bible study, all that to see I believe in divine appointments. And he has guided us to places. He has guided us to people. And the Holy Spirit has guided us to the person of Jesus on this journey. And that's where this story of... Going through our desert, the Holy Spirit guided us in a much greater way to the person of Jesus mm. and has brought so much healing wow. in our lives. So where are we at now? We have faced challenges again in, 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 in Sicily that I'm just, I'm dumbfounded that we are facing these stinking challenges. <laughs> and we go back to face challenges that we do not have the intelligence to face there's more gaps than there used to be the older i get the less the less prepared i feel and that's not necessarily the case but preparation needs to take its rightful place and the guidance of the holy spirit needs to take precedence over preparation he's prepared he knows he sees the big picture yeah and so Come January, February, we are planning to head back. And I was telling Ed earlier when he was praying for me that we are facing things that we do not know how to face. So where does that put us? That puts us into a place where we need to be more dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit and dependent on the prayer of his people. And that's where you come in. Yeah, that's good. So that's 
Amen. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's pray. pray. As a church, I want to pray over Chris. And then I also just, as we pray, if you're finding yourself today in a situation like Chris has talked about, there's some gaps or, or what is ahead. I mean, everything we do, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. But maybe there's something significant in front of you. I just want you to raise your hand as well and we, as we pray for you. Yeah. But stretch your hands towards Chris yeah. and Heidi. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this couple we thank you that, that they have have followed the call of God on their life, even when it, it didn't look what it, like they thought it would, that they put their trust yeah. in you, that they rely on the Holy Spirit yes. to, to fill in the gaps, to bring yeah. comfort, to bring healing, to yeah. bring peace. Thank you, Lord. And Father, right now, we thank you that you yeah. are going to make everything happen as it should. Yeah. We trust you, Jesus. Yes. We call for the blessing of the Lord over Chris yeah. and his physical body, yeah. over his mind and his heart. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you begin to open doors he didn't see and that he just walks through yeah. and says yes lord thank you for the example he is to us that he even just gets on a bus to look for people may yeah. we do that here we don't have to go to africa or sicily even though i want to 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 be a, a witness so lord thank you for that in him yeah. bless heidi encourage her today touch her today heal her body and heart and mind we thank you for these world changers. We thank you that we all today in this room yeah. are world changers thank and can you. rely on you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Minister to your people today. Yeah. Bring healing and hope. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together and sing that song. divine appointment to plan as well we can but Lord we live our lives with hearts open before you ready to respond to your initiative and obey and where there are gaps in our understanding we place our trust we thank you for the mission of God that's your idea your initiative and we get to respond for this we give you thanks and praise give you thanks and praise. Sing it one more time. I surrender all. Lord, I surrender all. All like to help us send Chris and Heidi on their, on their way in a manner worthy of the Lord, you can do that by using the guest option. Now, there's food in the cafe for you, but remember, where you go, we go. say it again, where you go, we go. 
May the Lord bless you as you go. Find your children. They're looking for you. Enjoy fellowship, please. Thanks for being here today.